Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Religion would not even be an issue except for the Bible. Before we get carried away, let's read our Bibles now. I can assure you there are millions of Christians who did not take parts of the Bible literally. Forfeit all claims to your own authority. Stand without apology on the only authority that matters, which is the authority of God himself entrusted to us in his word. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. There I sat in a parking lot at a Kroger asking myself the question, is the three-legged stool broken? I don't feel a single thing. Have the pills done too much? Hold the phone, Henrietta. What is this young lady singing about? This is Wretched Radio. Dropped off Mrs. Friel at the Kroger. Friel, we aren't interested in your grocery shopping escapades. Because I was assigned the task of going to get a Brie wheel at the Costco on a Saturday because the pastor and the missus were coming over and we were going to do it upright. And by the way, if you have ever asked the question, would there possibly be any way that a human being could pay for their own sins? Now, I'm not saying we can. I'm just saying if there were ever going to be a contender for self-righteousness and paying for your own sins, it would be shopping at Kroger on a Saturday. That is going to come very close. It doesn't. I'm just saying. Went to the Costco. And by the way, speaking of Costco, no free. You're speaking of Costco. Quit drinking Diet Mountain Dew. We ran out of cups, so I'm not drinking water. The point is the caffeine ain't helping this diatribe. The Costco has determined it is officially Christmas. Jimmy, would you like to know how we know that it is actually Christmas time in America? How? The cranberry log is available at the (laughs) Costco. Right next to the Brie Wheel, which I picked up, ran back to the Kroger, and I do not know what possessed me. Maybe it was the three red lights, which means about 15 minutes in Atlanta, that I had to go through to get to the Kroger. I turned on the radio. And I thought, let's just check in and see what's going on on contemporary radio, because it ain't normally my bag to listen to that stuff. And I was struck by this poppy song. All happy, sound like you could dance to this song. But the lyrics are downright depressing. Jimmy, what was the name of the young lady that we played about a week or two ago who was singing about how unhappy she is? Uh, Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish. All right. Popular artists. When popular music, there's a reason it's called popular. When it's getting played on the radio, it's because it represents, it speaks to people. They like it. And program directors around the country have decided this song by M. Byhold called Numb Little Bug. It's speaking to people. And thankfully, I'm not going to have to read the lyrics to you because this woman actually articulated how she is feeling like a numb little bug. And we would do well to listen to these lyrics and ask the question, what is busted? And it's my conclusion, the societal three-legged stool has been demolished. I don't feel a single thing. Have the pills done too much? By the way, the fact that a popular artist can sing about taking psychotropics would tell you we are fully immersed in a therapeutic society. That singing, singing publicly about taking medication for your depression, it ain't no big thing. Why? Because it's so commonplace. 
Haven't caught up with my friends in weeks And now we're out of touch I've been driving in it late And the world feels too big Like a floating ball that's bound to break Snap my psyche like a twig Her psyche has been snapped like a twig The world, it just feels too big This is a woman who is expressing pain And I just wanna see If you feel the same as me Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you walking through life? You're alive, but you're miserable, but you don't want to die. Set to a cheery, boppy little 80s sort of groove. This is a representation of, I would suggest to you, millions of young people. Like your body's in the room, but you're not really there. Like you have empathy inside, but you don't really care. You got empathy inside, but you don't really care. This is an individual who is flatlined emotionally. Like you're fresh out of love, but it's been in the air. I'm a past repair. A little bit tired of trying to care when I don't. A little bit tired of trying to care when I don't. A little bit tired of quick. In other words, medication, perhaps. Quick repairs to cope. I'm tired. I'm, they're tired. A little bit tired of sinking this water in my pulse. I'm barely breathing, trying to stay afloat. Barely breathing, trying to stay afloat. Oh, I got these quick repairs to cope. Guess I'm just broken and broke. Wow. Attention. I, I don't expect our world to respond to this in any thoughtful kind of way because our world doesn't do that anymore, but the church sure can. And the church can start not just talking about the problem, not just analyzing why so many people are numb little bugs, but speaking about it, doing things, fixing things, because the church is one of the legs of a societal stool. I grant you. This is psychological jargon. However, perhaps you've heard that human beings, for the sake of human flourishing, to use the vernacular of the peasantry, require three spaces. For you to be happy, you got to have three places of meaning to go. One would be family. That's one of the, you got to have a family. Hey, did you see the latest report that almost half of kids being born right now in America don't have one of those. Why? Because they're being born to single moms. Of course, she's their family, but there's no dad. And that means it's not an intact family. And by the way, to those people who would say, but we're shacking up. Statistically, those people don't stay together. Even NPR reporting on a new book on this subject is having to admit, oh, we got to maybe have a conversation about this. And it isn't just two people living together. It's marriage itself that has something deeper and more profound than just living together and sharing expenses. It has an impact. On, you've seen these statistics. They do better in school with two parents who are Mauied, not living Mauied. They are less likely to commit a crime. They're more likely to go to university to get a higher education, which we've said here before is not the necessity of life. There's plenty of good ways to make a living without it. But people who come from two-parent families tend to be higher earners. 
The benefits of marriage are obvious to everybody but the world who seeks to destroy it. So we need to continue to be marriage campaigners, a mother and a father, till death do them part. But that's shattered in this country. What's the second leg of a human flourishing stool? It's work. You go to work. You, you go to work. Now, what is work like for this young lady's generation? And the answer is they're all quiet quitting. Why? Because they do not believe in what we would call a Protestant work ethic that says, whatever it is you do, you're doing it unto the Lord. Therefore, it is not secular. It is sacred work and it has meaning and it has value and it has eternal implications. Push your broom unto the Lord. Change that dirty diaper unto the Lord. Do your legal, your accounting, whatever, your executive stuff under the Lord, and you're doing sacred work. This generation doesn't feel that. And so they're singing about being numb little bugs because two of the three legs are busted. What's the third leg? And historically in America, we would say, oh, that's pretty obvious. The third place that people need to go isn't Cheers, where everybody knows your name, although some people do use a bar as their watering hole to go and feel a part of something. It's been the church. And yet, how many young people are going to church these days? Well, the answer is fewer and fewer and fewer. Every poll indicates that. So we should not be surprised that these young people are feeling like numb little bugs. That they, they don't have a single leg to stand on. Families broken. Work is meaningless. And church, are you kidding me? I went to it when I was a kid. They had balloons and whipped cream games. There's nothing there for me. What do we do with this? Let's continue to be family warriors. We need to be preaching about the value of work. It is a need of our day. Pastor, I know you're expositing a book of the Bible. Just be mindful of it. That, that if the text permits it to encourage young people that what you do isn't a gig so that you can have a work-life balance, which basically means work as little as you can to play as much as you possibly can. That, that ain't biblical. And you won't find satisfaction there. Men are made to work. Women are made to work in their different capacities and giftings. Unto the Lord, and it brings us satisfaction. But I would also suggest to you, and this will sound a little weird, considering we have made it clear, we don't consider inviting somebody to church evangelism. But I got to tell you, more and more, inviting people to church is something that I think that they might actually be interested in. Hey, would you like to come and check out our little community? It's really astounding. Ah, such loving people. You'd be welcomed. Oh, people would so enjoy you. And you, 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 I think you'll find, a, you'll, you'll find yourself a place that has some meaning and value. Would you come to church with me? And when they get there, can we make sure that it's meaningful and not trivial, trite? and silly, whether it's in the youth group or from the pulpit, because the world feels like numb little bugs. This is Wretched Radio. If you happen to be staring down the health insurance barrel and you are groaning because you're going to have to figure out what do we do? Can we change? What do we get in November when it's open enrollment month? That barrel can be removed because every day is enrollment day. 
at MediShare. Would you please call them if you're dealing with the health insurance blues? <laughs> please take two minutes out of your day and give them a call at 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's affordable biblical health sharing. Average family saves $500 per month. Average. Their ratings, high teledocs, Please check out MediShare by calling them, finding out how much your family will save, or you can visit MediShare.com slash wretched, MediShare.com slash wretched, where every day is enrollment day at MediShare. Hey, hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. And I want to take just a moment and I want to thank our gospel partners for standing firm with us in our mission to reach millions of people with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Your support has enabled us to produce resources that have helped people like our buddy Seth, who recently wrote in and said that he's grown in his walk with Christ. His testimony is a prime example of how your giving makes an eternal impact. But let's be honest, we know being a monthly gospel partner, it's not always easy. People are not always in that place in their life where they're financially able to do it. It takes commitment, it takes sacrifice, and it takes a willingness to say no to Starbucks a couple of times a week. But hey, we know you're up to the task because you're, well, bold and courageous supporter of Ratchet. We know you are. And your ongoing support would mean the world to us, literally. So to all of our gospel partners out there, Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar, that's it. The kid comes, they get treats, they get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Know your church fathers. Clement of Rome lived from A.D. 30 to 100, was a student of the Apostle Peter, and served as the Bishop of Rome. He wrote a letter to the troubled church in Corinth, warning against envy and immorality, emphasizing humility and repentance. His letter continued to be read during worship services for 80 years. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Tell me what's the word I I was being sarcastic, which is another big word you'll learn in school. What's the word on the street? Gaslighting. <laughs> this is Wretched Radio. I have a confession to make. Friel, we aren't Roman Catholic. No, this is just Sharon from the heart that I didn't know what the term gaslighting meant because I heard it getting slung around all over the place. And I finally, I think, have it sorted. If you go take a look on the Google machine. Gaslighting is a form of psychological abuse in which a person or group causes someone to question their own sanity, memories, or perception of reality. I would add morality, values, worldview, 
People who experience gaslighting may feel confused, anxious, or as though they can't trust themselves. And so it is, I'm reading through a slew of articles, most of which were sent to idea at wretched.org, and I noticed the gaslighting pervade throughout these different stories. And they're the big ones. These aren't like, like over there in Cleveland, this story happened. No, no, no. This is the big stuff. For instance, the Israeli-Hamas war, whatever they're calling it. How are progressives responding when it is increasingly clear and is historically obvious that Hamas has behaved like barbarians? When Israel, in an effort to defend itself, is now being blamed, it is now being protested on university campuses. How, 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 does, how does that work exactly? When you take all of the values of progressives, being a bully is bad, being, that's calling somebody a name, that's a terrible thing, not letting somebody be their autonomous self, we can't allow that. So we see Hamas violating all of their progressive morality, and yet they stay on the side of the people who are breaking their rules in obvious ways. Because you and I, supposedly, dear Christian, are the ones who are the bad people because we oppress women. We oppress children. We oppress LGBTQ people. You got Hamas that the only reason I saw a meme. It's sort of funny, sort of not. The only reason they're not throwing gay people off of buildings is because, well, they don't have any tall buildings left. Otherwise, they would be because they do. And yet the progressive world would say they're the victims and Israel is the terrorist. What are they doing? They're gaslighting. Now, you could psychological term would be projecting. You are seeing progressives instantly have to backpedal on their own worldview. They have to do this. They have to, they have to somehow figure out a way to, it, okay, yes, okay, Hamas does that. That is true. They do that. But they are right in lobbing missiles and raping women and abducting children. They're right in doing that. How do they get there? Well, they gaslight. And state that Israel is worse. So they make Israel the oppressor. They make Hamas the oppressed. And therefore, in their mind, they retain their consistency of worldview, which Hamas clearly shatters on every single level because they are locked into their darkened mind set. And so they paint Israel as being so much worse. This is warranted, don't you know? This is who can blame them? It's like the kid who finally has enough of the bully punches him in the nose. No, you know, it's not great. But sometimes you just got to punch somebody in the nose. Hold on. What happened to your values? Mm, they keep them by gaslighting and saying that the really bad people in this instance are the people who are not pristine what nation is. But I think it's pretty reasonable to most that Israel has behaved in a civilized way. Again, no nation is without some sort of taint. But Hamas, who swears we're going to kill that people and wipe them from the face of the earth, 
And then what do we hear? Gaslighting. Israel wants to wipe Hamas and Palestine off the face of the earth. Did they codify that any place? Because Hamas has. What is going on? Gaslighting. Here's some more gaslighting. It comes in all forms these days. As single motherhood takes off, children's chances of success diminishes. This is the book by an economist who is making it clear that marriage is good for kids. Marriage is what helps them to flourish. And she's a sociologist. She's put it in her book. It's called The Two-Parent Privilege, How Americans Stopped Getting Married and Started Falling Behind. And what's happening to this woman who's just pointing out the obvious? She's getting gaslighted. You're, you're, against, you're against women. And she, her response is, no, I'm just for science and statistics. How do they go about the business of not having their worldview compromised in any way, shape, or form? And the answer is gaslighting. It's, you could also, projection ad hominem. Now, you're the, look, ball. Your social science points toward the fact that you're misogynistic, lady. What it, what is it, how is the world fighting against any sort of morality or values that come close to biblical? Gaslighting. Here's another article. We're making teaching miserable for teachers. Interesting article at the National Review. The fellow is a teacher, and he's talking about how hard it is to be a teacher these days. Uh, that the kids are out of control. Why? Because they have been stripped of authority, stripped of discipline. I, I don't know if you've been tracking, most likely if you know a teacher, you've, you've heard plenty about this. Gavin Newsom just signed a bill that bans the use of suspensions for willful defiance, transgressions such as talking back to a teacher or breaking dress code. They're, they're, they're helpless. They stand at the front of a group of people there needs to be authority. There must be authority. There has to be a leader. There needs to be somebody in charge. It's biblical. And that's the way any sort of culture or even subset of culture is organized and runs. Somebody's got to lead it. Just not the teacher. Who's leading it? The kids. Why? Because when the teachers impose their authority, they're oppressing the children. G-A-S-L-I-G-H-T-I-N-G. How did the teachers become bad people for wanting to have order? Well, the answer would be critical race theory would be the answer. Social Marxism. Really interesting article. A popular grading policy requires teachers reward students 50%, even if they don't answer a single question or even begin an assignment. So you don't start at zero. You start at 50 Totally worthless. Students can rack up tardies in the double digits without facing a consequence. Students should get unlimited retakes. Teacher, you know, the way it is in the real world. <laughs> Teachers can't even leave critical feedback on essays without accusations of oppression and racism. So what, what do they do? The teacher who desires to run an orderly classroom is either an oppressor or racist for wanting to maintain order. Lighting. At the root of these policy changes, writes Daniel Buck at the National Review, is the idea that teacher authority is inherently oppressive. 
The teacher-student relationship directly parallels the oppressor-oppressed dichotomy of Marx. So that anything that limits a child, rules, consequences, it's considered oppressive. It's inherently oppressive. Even a teacher's authority as an expert in science or history becomes irrelevant as students should only learn what immediately interests them. And wow, are we doing the kids no favor. We're, we're turning these kids out with fake degrees, having learned very little, except they're the center of the universe and everybody is horrible. And so this worldview will persist. 1950s, Hannah Arendt, she wrote an essay called The Crisis in Education, saying the eradication of adult authority in school will not result in some utopian sharing of power for teachers and students as they create some warm and fuzzy learning experience. Nope. Humans crave order and predictability. That's true. And so in the absence of adult-imposed order, the stronger students overpower the weaker ones. So here's the problem with a fallacious worldview. As the child in the group, he is, of course, worse off than before. As they've been emancipated from the authority of adults, the child hasn't been freed but subjected to a more terrifying and truly tyrannical authority, the tyranny of the majority. Yes. And if I might add one more, it's happening even inside of Christian circles. Are you familiar with the uh, AG, the American Gospel? Making part three, they invited Michael Brown to participate in the conversation because Michael is a proponent of so many of the things critiqued in the American gospel, filmed him for 10 hours, and he said, I'm backing out. Why? Because this show isn't about being fair and balanced. It's Strange Fire 2. Gaslighting. <laughs> this is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. According to a report from the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, it looks like the issue in Gaza between Hamas and Israel could be making its way to the U.S. There are concerns that fighters from Hamas and Hezbollah may be attempting to sneak into the U.S. through Mexico. U.S. Customs and Border Protection say they've been working with Mexican authorities to try and identify and intercept any shady characters trying to get through and head our way, but it is a big border and it only takes one slip up for the wrong person to get through. Meanwhile, in Oregon, state education officials have apparently lost their minds. Get this, they have just removed the requirements that high school graduates need to be able to read, write, or do math before they get their diploma. Something about white supremacy and racism. Hey, Oregon, 1946 just called and they want their backwards thinking back. Last time I checked, being able to read and add numbers was pretty useful no matter your skin color. But I guess preparing kids for the real world isn't necessarily a priority anymore. Reading, writing, and arithmetic are just now good old tools of oppression. In other news, if you can believe it, it seems like Coca-Cola may be quietly distancing themselves from some of its recent woke activism. Reports indicate that the soda giant has scrubbed its website of any mention of support for Black Lives Matter. For a while there, Coke was happy to jump on the social justice bandwagon, weren't they? They even pressured employees to be less white. But it looks like somebody realized that virtue signaling may not be so good for the bottom line after all. 
And down in Florida, the LGBT activism at kids continues. The city of Orlando has just named an 11-year-old trans-identifying child as the Grand Marshal of its Pride Parade. Because nothing says we care about the kids quite like pushing a confused preteen into the spotlight to advance your political agenda. How about instead of exploiting children, we just let 11-year-olds be 11-year-olds? And shifting gears to the Middle East, Israel is wisely removing all mentions of climate activist Greta Thunberg from school textbooks. I don't know why they were there to begin with, but this is after Thunberg posted anti-Israel sentiments on social media. Israeli officials say they cannot promote someone who supports terrorist groups like Hamas. Can't argue with that, but I'm not quite sure why they considered Greta Thunberg an expert in anything. And finally, we end on some good news for the pro-life cause. The city of Lubbock, Texas has voted to ban abortions and declare itself a sanctuary city for the unborn, which makes Lubbock now one of the dozens of cities across the U.S. to take a stand for life at the local level. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important Dates in Christian History 1517 Martin Luther posts his 95 Theses, a simple invitation for scholarly debate that inadvertently becomes a hinge of history. Luther's challenge to the sale of indulgences sparked the Reformation and changed the face of the world. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. What is the point of reaching this is wretched radio no doubt on sunday hopefully no doubt you sat under the authority of the word as a sinful man used his sinful mouth to proclaim the word of god as revealed in the bible the question that we should all be asking especially if you are a pastor is what's the point what is the purpose of a sermon What is its goal? Been thinking about this a lot because, well, I have that kind of free time. Pondering, as we are looking at here in the northern suburbs of Atlanta, planting a church, what sort of pastor would would we like to have shepherd us? What type of preacher do we want? That's always how the preacher is weighed, isn't it? That's that's really the big thing. And, And rightly so, I think. If you're ever candidating, you bring in the pastor. What does he do? He preaches. And then the congregation gets to vote, which, by the way, if you would like to have interesting Tish Raiden or interesting dinner conversation, take a look through your Bible and see the explicit instructions for church polity. Meaning, how is the church run? Who has authority? Who is the leader? What's the relationship between elder, deacon, congregation? And I think what you will notice is something rather fascinating, which also explains why we see so many different polities, so many different configurations, why the Presbyterians do what they do, while Southern Baptists, as a rule, do what they do versus Reformed folk. Why, 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 why all the differences? And I think the answer is the Bible intentionally is not just ambivalent, but almost, almost silent on the subject of church polity. Meaning, how, who hires whom? Who fires somebody? What 
Are we going to buy the building? What programs are we going to implement here? And when you read through the epistles, especially the pastoral epistles, you don't see a whole lot of instruction. Timothy, appoint elders in each town. Period. Okie dokie. Now, what, there's, another, there's another structure verse that I can think of. It's implicit. It's not explicit. That the one who labors in the word, who apparently is, every elder should be able to teach. But this guy teaches slash preaches. It's both. It's, it's a teaching and it's a preaching combined. Because remember, preaching is only teaching unless it has some behind it. Moving people. Stirring people, convicting people, motivating people, exhorting people. I think that would be your Second Timothy 4, Rexella. It has to have that element of oomph. And the guy who does the lead preaching is worthy of double honor. So here's a question for you to consider. Think about your own church. Does that guy have more authority than the other elders? Does he have more responsibilities because that's his full-time paid position versus it's the volunteer elders? And then what about the deacons? What do they, who, who do they take their cues from? And does this elder group need to have what percentage of majority in order for something to go through? And the answer is you just don't get explicit. You do have implicit text, but you don't have explicit text, do you? And that's why I think we see such a variety and why I would suggest to us that it's God's brilliance. Because you might need a different church polity than we're going to need in northern Atlanta suburbs. Why? Population-based, metropolitan versus rural. And and I'm not saying who's got more or less, but but number of people. That's a huge deal, by the way. Number of people. Woo! This is where Lifeway just goes crazy all the time. They're just constantly talking to the size of the church. When it's from this size to this size, it's considered this, and it needs to be sort of like that. Then it graduates into that. And there is some truth behind that, incidentally, that churches, as they grow, require changes. But if you look at how that is supposed to be structured and done, you're you're not finding it. And I think it's the Bible's brilliance because there's a different number of people at this church than that church. There's different kinds of people. There's different level of maturity. There's a different history. There are different resources. There's different talent pool. All of that. And the Bible says, sort it. Which, if nothing else, in my opinion, should promote a little bit of church polity humility. That to be able to, to, or to insist, this is exactly the way every church needs to be structured you got to have explicit text to make that sort of mandate. I think we see again God's brilliance. We're not locked into the first century. If God had written church polity rules for the first century, you'd be struggling in your church today. And you'd probably be very out of step and not nearly as effective. So God leaves it up to each individual church to get it sorted. Discuss at dinner. And one of the issues as a church considers who it's calling is, how do they preach? And I think a part of that needs to be, well, well, how are they preaching? I think most of us would agree it is absolutely imperative the man is preaching the Bible, expositing the scriptures, not cherry picking, not running all over the place, giving a steady diet of topical hobby horses, but instead is expositing the scripture. And occasionally the pastor can jump onto an issue. 
And even if it's a hobby horse, he's the pastor he gets to. <laughs> it's going to happen on occasion. We've all got them. <laughs> and so a pastor can see a need and say, got to address this and go away from expository to a topical message, but then usually scoots right back to letting the Bible dictate the content of the sermon and the message for God's people. But then what's the point of preaching? What is it trying to accomplish? And I think it's easy to say to that. I would suggest to you that the purpose of preaching should be to accomplish what God desires for his children. What does God desire for his children? Well, there are a lot of things, certainly. There's obedience. There's holiness. There's amassing knowledge. It's having our minds conformed, not to the pattern of this world, but transformed through the preaching of the word. To what end? To what is all of this? Um, the, the VFW club can do a lot of those things. Um, um, Scientology can teach people how to be moral, sort of. I mean, if you dig the morality of a cult, the preaching should be so that we love Jesus more. Because isn't that what God wants of him? If we believe that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him, that's the chief end. Shouldn't that be the chief end of preaching? I seems to me it should. And now you could say some texts they don't lend themselves to that. I say they do. If you keep your eye on the prize and the goal of a sermon, been listening to Milton Vincent preach his way through the Gospel of John. Now I got to tell you, as well, this is a guy whose purpose is to help his people love Jesus more. And I get that from the titles of his sermons. If you go to Corner. Stone, yeah, Cornerstone Bible Fellowship Church in Riverside, California. Way too long of a title, Mel. But you go there and you look at it, it is is tight, and it's everything is about Jesus, 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 Jesus. And you could argue, well, that's because John 20 says, I write these things. If I wrote about everything that he did, all the books couldn't condemn. I write these things that you might know that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So, of course, every text in John should be about Jesus. I think that it's every text in the Bible, should at least have Jesus in view. Isn't that what the whole Bible is about? And if you read Milton's description, it is about Jesus doing this. Jesus is accomplishing that. Jesus is modeling this. Look at Jesus. And when you're done listening to the sermon, is there theology contained in it? Yes, there is. But is it just theology? And the answer is no, it isn't. It points to Jesus. Look what he did here. Look what's going down in this scene right here. Do you see what he's, do you see how the captain of our salvation is fully in charge? I'm thinking of his John 13, 18 through 32 message. Judas isn't in charge of that evening. Jesus is. Jesus isn't getting whipped around by the winds of, of, of just events that are random and out of control. He's fully in charge. Judas, go. You're done. You have no part here. Go. Do what you got to do really fast. Get on it because I know the time. So don't get lost. Don't get tripped up in the street. Don't get distracted. Don't have second thought. Go do what you're going to do because now is the appointed time. 
because Jesus was controlling all of the events. Remember when he shied away from being in Jerusalem because now isn't the time. The right time was Passover time because Jesus is our Passover lamb. So he controlled the calendar. Even as these men did the wicked things that they did, it's because he was in charge. He was in control. He was dictating the terms of everything. That's your savior. That's the captain of your salvation. What's not to love about a savior like that? May I ask, pastor, parishioner, what is the preaching in your church about? This is Wretched Radio. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby be in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat. Would you please consider supporting Preborn? It's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, hey, well, October is here. That means pumpkin spice everything, everywhere you look. <laughs> Plus, that also means football season's in full swing. Oh, and of course, the Devil's Day is coming up. That's right, Halloween is coming up. And I don't have to tell you that Sugar Hype kids are going to be coming knocking on your door, whether you like it or not, so you better be prepared. We've got a way to help you send them soaring higher than any cavity-induced candy you could ever give them. I'm talking about giving them gospel booklets from Wretched. You can give them the treat of all treats this Halloween, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't have to skip the candy if you don't want to. No, you don't have to. You can actually include it with the gospel booklets, but gospel booklets are on sale right now in the Wretched store as low as 99 cents per booklet. Now through the 25th. And you'll want to order by the 25th, so you'll have them in time for the Devil's Day. That's Halloween. Get them before they're gone at wretched.org. You are one of the people who supported our joint effort with the Masters Academy International to get Bibles into the hands of people. You're going to hear a thank you letter from May that perhaps will encourage you that what you did was a very good and lasting thing. I'm one of the recipients of the MacArthur Study Bible, so generously given with the help of gospel partners. This will help me in my daily study of God's Word and will inform, instruct, inspire me in my walk with the Lord as well as my service to the Lord in my my family and my church ministries. How encouraging is that? By the way, if you're not plugged into the Masters Academy International, everything is about long lasting impact. They train pastors in 18, 19 countries and many seminaries around the globe so that pastors can fill empty pulpits and preach. That makes a generational difference. You can learn more about the Masters Academy at wretched.org slash Bible, or if you prefer wretched.org slash Pastor. God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is administration. 
the spiritual ability to guide, govern, manage, and correct. Church leaders are charged with keeping the church on the biblical path. As God has given that charge, He has also provided the gifts which enable us to fulfill that charge. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Albania, Albania, you border on the Adriatic. Your land is mostly mountainous and your chief export is Pretty much everything you need to know about Albania, except this is Wretched Radio. Let's go visit this country that most of us couldn't find on a map to hear what God is doing there because he is working. If you have been a little bit bummed out because so much of Western civilization hasn't just turned their back on God, they're shaking a fist at God. Let's be reminded he is not constrained to the West. Now, as much as we would love to see people born again, and we do, as much as we would like to see a society move out of darkness into light to have their thinking fixed, they need salvation for that to happen. He's working here, and he's working in Albania. And if you happen to be a supporter, a gospel partner here at Wretched, or if you are a ministry partner of the Tomorrow Clubs, this should encourage you. Hello, we are here now in Albania with the Tomorrow Club's International English Camp. In Albania, we met local church leader, Ardit, and he has an interesting story how he first heard about Tomorrow Clubs. And now we turn to Ardit, 19 years old, at a church in Albania. There are some of those, not many, but there are some of those. He's now leading a Tomorrow Club. Hmm, how did that happen? Hello, so uh, as Zira said, I'm Ardit, 19 years old, and I'm first year in university. And the first uh, place where I actually heard about Tomorrow Clubs was uh, in this YouTube channel called uh, Wretched Radio. Jimmy, that's us right there! Yep, yep, it is. In Albania! Borders on the Adriatic, don't you know? I have had seen these videos of his from maybe like six months now. And when uh, my uh, pastor first told me that we were going to do this camp, kids camp, uh, with Tomorrow Clubs, it was really heard of. So I really had heard of the name before and it was like bugging me. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where have I heard of it? And as time went by, I like uh, heard more, heard Tomorrow Club, the word, more often because of the church environment and getting ready for the kids camp. And uh, as I was watching one of the videos of Wretched, I saw actually it said Tomorrow Clubs and the logo as well was very familiar to me, more than the name. And so I was surprised, I was very... Yeah, surprising just to see what was going to come here in a YouTube channel in America. (laughs) Mysterious ways indeed. This young man is now being a Tomorrow Club leader because he heard about Tomorrow Clubs on the internet machine in a nation whose main export is tin. Was it tin? Aluminum. Chrome. Chrome. 
You don't. Just testing you, Jimmy. Just <laughs> wanting to see if you could sing along to that tune. <laughs> if you're a supporter of the Tomorrow Clubs, uh, you should rejoice in this. Kids are going to a Tomorrow Club in Albania, and they are learning the gospel. And this kid is a part of it because he heard about it here on Wretched Radio. Is the Lord working? Yeah. And I searched more about it and turned out it was the same Tomorrow Club because I was wondering maybe there's different ones. And it was pretty, pretty cool. Like I, I had first seen it from Wretched Radio and I, I love a lot of his videos. What do you mean? A, what do you mean a lot of the videos? <laughs> Not all of them, Todd. Huh. <laughs> uh, it's been very, it's been challenging my faith, making me grow, all that stuff. It's been awesome just to see like that information presented in that way. And if you are a supporter of this ministry, be encouraged, be encouraged. Could I perhaps go out on a little bit of a limb here, which might actually snap and we all come tumbling down. Nevertheless, might I encourage you to consider 2024 and what you're doing with your discretionary funds? If if you happen to be one of the <laughs> increasingly fewer people who have discretionary funds, wow, pricing. I'm so glad we're building back better. Gaslighting, more gaslighting right there. It's it, 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 increasing number of people that are just getting by and some even struggling on that level. Uh, so so if, if you're one of those people, we do, we're, we're here to bless you as much as we possibly can in some small way. But if you're one of the individuals who has discretionary income and you're thinking about your giving, you have every right to give to a politician. You do. You, it's called discretionary income because you can use it at your discretion. That's that's up to you, but maybe just maybe a challenge to consider the limited good of politics. I didn't say no good. I just said the limited good of politics and having even good. Look, it's good. And you can spend your money on politicians. Really, you can. But maybe just maybe think about the work that is being done with ministries that are trying to proclaim the gospel, which I have to tell you, has it ever been more clear to us? Was it John Adams who said that this this form of government is only made for a moral people? You have to have a moral people. You have to have a people who think rightly. And the only way for people to think rightly is if they believe rightly. And the only way they'll believe rightly is if they hear the gospel. God saves them and then fixes their broken noodles. Then they vote right. Then, then, then they're, they're civilians that live closer to betterer and appreciate biblical aspects of society like marriage, family, church, altruism. These are Christian values, but we don't want people to just sort of live under Christian values. We want people to live out Christian values, and that doesn't come through the realm of politics. It comes through the realm of evangelism and the proclamation of the gospel. In other words, it's a spiritual thing that is going on here. Second Corinthians 10, strongholds, bad ideology. How do we tear those down? It isn't through politics. I didn't say you can't give your money to a politician. I didn't say you shouldn't vote. 
I didn't say that you can't be involved. You can even become a politician if you want to. I'm just trying to encourage you to think about, don't forget ministries. Don't forget them. Because that happens a lot in a political year. You talk to any, any ministry and they're going to tell you the same thing. It's when, it's when it's an election year for the big one, it's tough on most ministries and churches. Make sure you're taking care of your church first. But if you have discretionary income, maybe just maybe you don't forget about ministries that are preaching the gospel. By the way, I wouldn't turn this into a law, but I would ask you to consider Revelation chapter 20. What do we see? I know if you've got a different eschatology, this might not float your boat, but we see Jesus reigning for a thousand years. He's appointed people to sit on thrones. But what happens in this perfect, if you want a political system, you don't, you don't get better than King Jesus ruling. But what happens? Sinners get born to believers. Sinners get born. And what happens at the end of the thousand years? Satan released. What does he do? Gathers all those sinners together who have been waiting for him so that they can coalesce to kick King Jesus off of the throne. In other words, until Jesus returns and the devil is never going to roam again and sinners will not occupy this planet, only born again, redeemed and glorified saints. You're, you're going to still see rebellion. You're still going to see hatred. You're still going to see cruelty. You're still going to see whatever your pet peeve sin is. You're still going to see it. Why? Because this is, this is the epoch, dare I say, dispensation we live in. And the only thing that's going to change that is when more people are believers. I, as, and I remember now that like first when I saw the Tomorrow Clubs like sponsor before any of this, I remember seeing it and being like, wow, like Tomorrow Clubs uh, seems like very beneficial. It, it talked about like how the youth, uh, the, the kids or the youth are basically the future of the church. And that's true. And it was really cool to see that I wished, not even prayed, I just wished that something like that could be done here in Albania. Lowering 2024, even 2023, the hard year for a lot of ministries, a lot of churches struggling. You can give your money wherever you choose. That is between you and the Lord, and that isn't meant as a threat. <laughs> Sometimes we do. Well, if you're going to do that, that's between you and the Lord. Clearly, it's a sin, so go ahead and sin against God if you want to and give to a politician not trying to do that. But I would encourage you to support the work of good ministries that are trying to reach people with the gospel. This one, Tomorrow Club. Don't forget during political season. And until tomorrow, just did my Joe Biden again, go serve your king.